welcome to the Soto Health and Wellness Podcast. We are the Soto Brothers. I am Samuel Soto, doctor of physical therapy. And I am Joseph Soto, a physician. Together, we are board-certified medical providers who specialize in internal medicine and physical therapy. Our mission is to promote longevity, health span, and wellness in order to prevent illness and injury so we can optimize the human experience. Any information on diseases and treatments available at this channel is intended for general guidance only and must never be considered a substitute for advice provided by a doctor or other qualified healthcare professional. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare professional with questions you may have regarding your medical condition. Alpine ibex are big mountain goat-like herbivores inhabiting the highest peaks of the Alps in Europe. Ibex spend most of the time in pasture land eating grass to gain fat reserves in order to survive the harsh conditions of alpine winters when they can't find food. One of the most incredible skills of this animal is their climbing ability. Every hiker that has walked through the Alps knows how agile these animals are whose only anti-predatory strategy is to climb a cliff moving out of reach of their predator. Within these vertical cliffs, ibex are among the only animals able to exploit this magnificent salt source. They literally risk their lives to get salt because they know how important it is for survival. Have you ever seen your dog lick your arms when you're sweating? I never wondered why they do that. No, guys, you don't taste that great. They do it because they're looking for salt. My, does, my dog does it all the time when I exercise, and he did it today after my long run. So, Dr. Joseph, how was your run today? Are you ready for the Philadelphia Half Marathon? Well, I'm not quite ready. Um, I, think, I believe we still have seven weeks to go. But today was a tough one, I have to say, guys. If you guys are here in the Northeast... We're experiencing the effects of Hurricane Ian, and the, 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 the temperatures have plummeted, winds were high today. I mean, it was cold out there, and somehow I managed to do seven miles. You know, I had to, I had to pull out the Rocky soundtrack at the end because yeah. it was tough, but I did it, and, and I'll tell you why I did it, actually. And wait, has- wait, wait, wait. Before you tell us why you did it, Joseph, and everyone's uh, eager to know. Tell us your mileage and tell us, you know, how fast you were going. Yeah, so I did, today I did seven miles, so it was my long run. And my my, my pace was nine minutes and 30 seconds average, mm-hmm. which I, for me is pretty good. Uh, I felt great today. I was strong. And, um, you know, I did my pre-run ritual, which has been to, you know, eat a really ba- balanced meal. I ate eggs and bacon today. You know, gives you the fat and protein. And I also had magnesium, 500 milligrams of magnesium. I had two grams of fish oil. And I had 5,000 international units of vitamin D and K2. Do not be afraid of vitamin D. You will not overdose. If you guys haven't checked out our last podcast on my review of blood work and lab results, please check that out. We go over my lab results from 2020 
and compare them to 2022 after a low carb modified animal based diet. So check that out. We talk about vitamin D. We talk about lipid panels. We talk about basically all lab work. But you know what, so, Sam? You know what I realized yeah. compared to this run to the run that we did that day when we did five miles. Uh-huh. You know what the difference was? That I I I drank salt. Mm-hmm. So I yeah. put half a teaspoon of salt in my water thirty minutes before running, and I felt like I was flying. I mean, I was strong. I I can't describe to you. I had energy the whole time for an hour and seven minutes that I ran. At no moment was I tired. I mean, I felt really good. And I, I think it was the salt. I really It do. is. It is because last time we ran together up upstate, um, I put you know, I put some salt uh, into a, a cup and I put water in it and then I put a little bit of olive oil. Uh, and that was pretty much my pre run uh drink, as well as, you know, some very light foods, some fruits and some protein. But yeah, I noticed that I had a lot more energy than you did that run. Even yeah. though we've been training kind of the same, like in terms of intensity, mileage, we're, we've been pretty much consistent every week. We're both like around seven miles. Today I ran 7.5 miles. Um, but yeah, I, I noticed that I was able to to run a little bit more than you that day. And I think it's because of the salt. So guys, today we're going to be talking everything about salt. Salt is very, very important for our health and it's been demonized. So we're going to start with that. Dr. Joseph Soto, please tell us what salt is and let's dive into this. Yeah, so so let's actually define what salt is. So salt is what we typically associate associate with table salt, which is what we put on our food. But salt is actually a combination of two different elements. That is sodium and chloride. And for the purposes of this talk, when I say salt, I'm referring to sodium. But in actuality... Salt actually refers to sodium and chloride. And, you know, most natural foods, they have some amount of sodium sodium in them. Um, but it turns out that a lot of the processed foods that we consume, they, they're, they are loaded with sodium in order to help preserve them and give them a longer shelf life. So if you've ever noticed, if you ever go to a supermarket, you'll notice that frozen foods, all the frozen foods, they are loaded with sodium in order to help preserve them. Um, anything that's in the can has a lot of sodium and salt. Anything that you know is in the package has a lot of sodium and salt. And we'll, we'll get into it in this episode, but it's not necessarily the salt that is bad. It's actually the carbohydrates and the refined car- grains in those substances that is creating this issue of, of high blood pressure. But... Let me give you guys a little bit of a background and, and history because I think when we understand history, we understand where we are today. So where did all this fear regarding salt come from? So I, this actually came from the same time period as the fat craze, which was in the 1950s, 1960s, and 1970s. So salt and fat and cholesterol, all three of these things, they basically came from the same time period. And mm-hmm. the, the thought at that time was that salt was responsible for high blood pressure. And therefore, if salt was res- responsible for high blood pressure, then salt was responsible for heart disease and stroke. So salt really became demonized because it was, it was thought that salt was contributing to the epidemic of heart disease at the time. And so what did they do? 
Well, they basically started recommending low-salt diets, and it became mainstream medicine. And again, this really started in the 1970s. And it turns out that they extrapolated data from people who had hypertension and were salt-sensitive to people who did not have hypertension and were salt-sensitive. So, and unfortunately, the ramifications of this in terms of our health outcomes was a disaster. And um, as, we'll, as I'll get into in a second, they were not even aware of their insulin resistance. They didn't know what insulin resistance was. They didn't have an association of metabolic disease. I mean, they didn't really know anything about that in the 1970s. So again, they, 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 they did the same thing that they did with fat. They, they made an association. They said, oh, salt seems like salt raises high blood pressure. Okay, so let's, let's go with that. And, you know, they basically created all these low salt diets and everything was just geared towards getting the salt down. And year after year after year after year, we're, 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 we're being told to lower our sodium intake, to eat less salt, to be mindful of the salt because it causes high blood pressure. And doctors, they, they'll just reflexively, without even thinking, they'll just say low salt diet, low salt diet. I've seen it all the time, guys. I've seen, I've seen physicians, you know, reflex, reflex medicine is what I call it. They'll just say, you know, low salt. And it's unfortunate because in this episode, we are going to get into so many things into why salt, low salt diets are actually harming us. We're going to get into what are the health consequences. We're going to get into um, some of the things we recommend. So this is going to be a very, very good episode. So I suggest if you guys have pen and paper, you please start taking notes or if you prefer to type because this is going to be a jam-packed episode. So let's start with the mechanism of salt. So I just told you guys the history, a brief history, and I gave you guys a little bit of context into where this came from. So let's talk about salt and the human body. So how does, how does the human body regulate hyper, high, blood pressure, right? What is, what is it? Actually, what is blood pressure? Let's, let's actually delve into that for a second. So blood pressure is actually... Uh, your body's ability to maintain a certain amount of pressure in your arteries, namely your art artery, right? Your arteries, not the veins. And th the primary organs that regulate this are the heart and the kidney. Those are the the main organs. There are some other structures like baroreceptors in the carotid arteries, the brain to to a smaller extent. But by and large, it's really your kidney and your heart that regulates blood pressure. And the the common the common model is that. The blood pressure, there are several things that can raise blood pressure. You know, the thought is sodium does it, which in this episode, we'll, we're going to debunk this once and for all because it does not. Um, things such as high blood pressure, smoking, uh, lack of physical activity. And so those are the typical things that people associate with high blood pressure. But the human body is actually very, 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 has very tightly regulated mechanisms uh, regarding how it regulates blood pressure. So I, I gave you a brief talk about blood pressure, kidneys, and heart. But let's talk a little bit about some of the underlying mechanisms. And I'm going to start with something called the RAS system, the renin-angiotensin-aldosterone system. Now, this is an ancient system. It turns out many mammals and many animals across the, across our, the animal kingdom, they actually have the RAS system. And... RAS is, was really designed 
as a way for us to not exsanguinate. So let's say we were an ancient human and we got, you know, we got bit or we got, you know, attacked by an animal. You know, we needed we needed to have some sort of mechanism that did not allow us to basically exsanguinate and die. You mean like so, bleed out, like lose yeah, blood? Yeah, bleed out. Yeah, that's what I mean okay. by exsanguinate. And so the human body created the RAS system, which is it's actually a really amazing system, how the human body was able to do this. But again, it's not just humans. All animals across, the, across species and animal kingdom have this ability. So RAS. So it turns out the kidneys have a molecule called renin, okay? And renin is secreted in response to low circulating volume of blood that's sensed by the kidneys, specifically the glomerulus, the afferent arteriole. So whenever the kidney says, oh, okay, uh, I'm sensing low blood volume into the kidney, it, re it releases renin. Renin is then released. And renin activates something called a hormone called angiotensin 1, which is actually found in the, in the, in the lung. That then activates angiotensin 2, which is in the liver. And then angiotensin 2 activates a hormone, another hormone called aldosterone, which is secreted from the kidney. Basically, all you need to know is that this system was designed to increase our blood pressure. Because for most of humanity, we actually had to deal with low blood pressure, not high blood pressure. And the human body right, developed a system so that if we got stabbed, if we, got, if we didn't drink water for four days in the desert, if we were attacked by a, a tiger, we needed to have a system that allowed our blood pressure to go up. So that's what RAS is. And why do you think that is? And why do you think we, for a long time, we've had a system where our blood pressures have been low, you know, ancestrally and not high? Well, it, has to, it had to do with our environments. Because in, for most of humanity, for most of, of, of our time on this earth, humans have only been around for 200,000 years. That's very little. That's a blink of an eye in terms of, in terms of like how long earth has been here. So we've, we haven't really been here that long. But our species, it, it yeah. Our, environment. our species, yeah. yeah but our, our species. the environment, we were always in the worst environment. I mean, we yeah. were in the, on the savannas in Africa, in the deserts, running away from saber-toothed tigers you know, searching for food. We were, we were not eat for days. We had infections. Mm -hmm. Anytime you have sepsis or an infection, you lose, you lose circulating volume and your blood pressure drops. So basically right. for most of our history, we've had to deal with low blood pressure. This is the first time that we've ever had to deal with high blood pressure. Mm -hmm. Okay. And as, as I'll get into towards the end, most of the medications that we, that we have nowadays are targeted towards the RAS system. So yeah. when you think about uh, angi uh, a medication like lisinopril or Sartan, these are all these these all attack the RAS system at different angles, and I believe that this is this is not good because we're not this is not how the human body is supposed to work. We're not supposed to be blocking a system that was designed hundreds of thousands of years ago just to get our blood pressures down. I think that's silly. But anyway, there's better ways to do it. Too. Yeah. Yeah, and we'll, we'll, we'll definitely yeah. talk about that. But let me just tell you guys a little bit more about physiology. So I just told you about RAS. Let me tell you now how the, the human body regulates sodium. So if you, if you guys refer to our blood review episode, we talk about sodium briefly. And you know, so the sodium in the human body has to be regulated very tightly. Typically, it has to be between 135 and 145. And if 
if your sodium levels goes even one or two points lower, I mean, you, you could really suffer some major consequences or, you know, the opposite would be too high and you could have muscle cramps, fatigue, seizures, um, you know, arrhythmias. I mean, it's, it's a mess. So our, our body is also very exquisitely uh, regulated in terms of sodium. And, you know, this is primarily regulated by the brain. And our brains, we have a structure called the hypothalamus. And the hypothalamus, they have, what's, they have structures called osmoreceptors. And the osmoreceptors, they're basically sensors that sense the osmolality. So if you guys, if you guys ever took chemistry, I'm sure you guys remember osmolal osmolality. That's the measure of concentration. So osmolality, the, those receptors in the brain, they sense the osmolality of blood, but they use sodium as the proxy. So anytime your sodium is low, that, that basically tips off the sensor. And then that, your brain then communicates with your kidneys. It tells your kidneys, hey, I need you to do X. And then the kidneys will release a hormone called uh, antidiuretic hormone. And it basically reabsorbs more water. And then your water goes up and then your sodium goes down. That's if your sodium is high. If your sodium is too low, it does the opposite. So, you know, why am I saying all this? Well, because I want to I wanna basically give you guys a, a framework and I want you guys to understand what exactly is blood pressure, sodium. When you hear these terms on the TV, when you hear your doctor saying lower your sodium, you have to understand like what exactly this is coming from. You have to understand how the human body regulates sodium, potassium, magnesium. It's, a, it's very complicated. So it's not, and you have to understand, as, and you yeah. have to understand as we'll, we'll, we'll mention soon, the dangers of, of having low sodium. Oh Can, yeah. You know, uh, it's, yeah. it's, it's very, very dangerous. Yeah. So that was, that was all I want to talk to you guys today about physiology. I don't want to bore you guys too much with, with, uh, physiology. If you want me to do more physiology, let us know. But I think that's enough for today's talk. I just want to give you guys a framework. Yeah. So, so, so I mean, so basically our, we have a system in our body designed to elevate our blood pressure, which has been designed evolutionarily. It's been, it's been there for thousands of years. Because in the past, we've had low blood pressure. We've had to elevate the blood pressure. In today's society, our blood pressure is skyrocketing because of many reasons. One of them is not because of salt. Um, but we've had to develop medications that lower our blood pressure. So just to quickly finish off with that, some of the medications that lower blood pressure, like Joe mentioned, uh, target this RAS system that he mentioned, the RAAS system, which is um, involved with the kidneys and, and heart and things like that. Uh, there are also other systems um, or other medications that lower blood pressure. Some of them you may recognize like metropolol, propanolol. Um, they work at different receptors in the body. And, and then, you know, so basically they're a first line of defense for blood pressure medications. Then there's option two. And then if it's still high, there are like third and fourth options, um, which work, I think, at the, what is it, the kidneys, Joseph? Yeah, the same thing. The, th the, the th thiazides, things like that. Yeah, diuretics. Diuretics, calcium channel blocker. So it kind of go yeah. goes more extreme. But yeah, so that was a great review on, on that. Uh, let's move forward here. Let's talk a little bit about um, sodium, sodium chloride, so salt, and uh, the nervous system and the muscles. So sodium is very important when it comes to our muscles and our nervous system. Uh, and if you guys understand how how we move, 
basically our muscles, our skeletal muscles allow us to move. And examples of these muscles are like your biceps, your triceps, your quads, your calves. These are all skeletal muscle. And our nervous system communicates with our skeletal muscle through some through nerves that attach closely to the muscle. And they release a messenger system uh, through action potentials. And these action potentials basically tell our muscles to contract, right? So what, what ends up happening is within the, the muscle, we have smaller tubes and we have muscle cells and we have like these... Imagine a tube within a tube within a tube and these muscle cells are getting that nerve input. And uh, one of the ways that they communicate, one of the ways that they contract is through sodium. Okay. So once an action potential, which is that nerve connection to the muscle, arrives at the junction of the muscle and the nerve, some neurochemicals are released. One being acetylcholine which binds to those receptors uh, at the muscle. And this actually opens sodium channels, salt channels. We're going to say sodium, but it's actually technically just sodium. It's not chloride. Again, guys, table salt is sodium chloride. That is what salt is. Uh, sodium is sodium. And this leads to an action potential within the muscle. Then you get some more connections. You can get some calcium binding in there and you get troponin. It's a complicated process, but basically that's what causes your muscle to lengthen and contract, specifically contract. Uh, it's the sodium. So it's very, sodium is very important when it comes to the nervous system, when it comes to muscle contraction. And this is why a lot of times people have cramps, right? We've all heard of cramps. What, you know, I get patients all the time working in physical therapy asking me, you know, I have cramps. What's causing it? You know, I'm stretching the life out of my calves and I still have cramps. And I usually do like a, um, a review of systems when they say this to me. The first thing I do is I ask, you know, how much water are you drinking? You know, and I recommend drinking half your body weight in ounces of water, especially more when it's summer, more when you're exercising, um, more when you're losing water through sweat. You're also losing salt through sweat, which we'll get into later. So I, I do a review of symptoms or sorry, systems. And, you know, if they're drinking the appropriate amount of water, great, let's move on. What did your blood work show? How are your potassium levels? How are your sodium levels? How are your magnesium? How, how, how are your electrolytes looking? Are you getting enough electrolytes through your diet? Are you taking medications that deplete your electrolytes? Right, Joe? Because a lot of these drugs, beta blockers, yeah. calcium channel blockers, uh, all of these drugs, they, they make you deficient in certain minerals and elements because you're, you're depleting it from your system. So I do a cardiovascular review system. And then I, I, you know, I ask about salt. I ask about, you know, obviously, is it cold in the room? A lot of people get cramps with t- temperature changes. Um, is your muscle actually tight? Like, just to, let's rule out the simple stuff. You know, I do a quick test to see if their calves are tight. Some t- most of the times it is. Sometimes it isn't, though. Um, but I, I like to look at sodium levels, too. I like to ask them, you know, what kind of diet do you have? Do you have a low-salt diet? And sometimes, you know, uh, actually a lot of the times they fear salt. And they say, you know, I, I don't eat a lot of salt. So I think that's a big reason why people have cramps. And there's been a lot of studies that show that increasing salt will make your cramps disappear. 
So that's basically how, how that works, the physiology behind the, the nervous system and the muscles and the importance of why we need salt. I mean, it's it's just like, it's crazy that, that people think that salt is is, is so bad for you. Um, yeah. But Sam, I have, I have a question about, about that. So let's say, let's say a patient comes to you and they, they have cramps. So what, 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 can you tell us, please tell the audience what evaluation you would do depending on what body part is involved? Most of the time people have cramps in their legs. Okay. Most of the time is their, their calf muscles. Sometimes they'll say it's, you know, at night. Um, sometimes they say it's more with, you know, sitting. Um, but we, I have to look at many systems. I have to look at, do they have chronic venous insufficiency? Do they have arterial insufficiency? Are they not getting enough oxygen to the legs? You know, a differential diagnosis that we see a lot in the geriatric community is a diagnosis of spinal stenosis versus arterial insufficiency or claudication, intermittent claudication, where you're not getting enough arterial blood flow to your lower extremities and to your legs. And because you're not getting enough blood flow, you're not getting enough oxygen. And if you don't get enough oxygen, your muscles become ischemic. And if you, they become ischemic, that's what causes the pain. That's what causes the cramping. So I need to evaluate their pulses. I look at their posterior tibialis pulse. I look at their iliac pulse, their femoral pulse, their popliteal pulse, and their leg. Make sure they're getting enough blood flow. After I do that, and, and I rule out any vascular or arterial. I take a look at their uh, their muscle. Is it musculoskeletal? Do they have a very, very shortened or tight gastrocnemius or soleus muscle, which are the muscles that comprise the calf? So I'll do a quick stretch. I'll do a quick test, a muscle length test to determine that. After I rule that out, again, I just ask questions about water intake. I ask about their diet. I ask about supplementation. Are they supplementing with magnesium? Are they are they getting enough salt, magnesium, potassium? And most of the time, that's the answer. They're just not, and they're deficient in certain minerals. And what's what's your take as a PT? What what do you think about shoes and the role that shoes play in in cramps? The role that shoes play in cramps, uh, uh, very little, very. Little. It depends. If you're cramping with running, that's different. You know, you may need to look at the mechanics there and the shoe wear there or cramping with walking. But if you're cramping at rest, if you're laying in bed and, and, and you're about to go to sleep and your legs start cramping, I don't mean, I, that's something systemic. Some, something's going on there. It's not so much musculoskeletal. So, uh, yeah. Because I heard, I, heard, I heard a talk about it with a podiatrist on YouTube. He said that um, a lot of people, they, they have foot cramps and calf cramps because they wear shoes that are too tight. And what happens is when your shoes are too tight, your the intrinsic muscles of the foot, they start they start shortening, especially your toes. I mean, you guys can't see me, but what I'm doing here is your your think of think of your foot as your hand because they're actually mirror images of each other. So imagine that your hands were always always with gloves all the time. That's what that's what that's what we're doing in, in modern day society. We have shoes. So we're basically, yeah. we're, we're not even walking on our feet like we're supposed to walk on earth, right? Yeah. We're, not, we're not having that proprioception, the same sensory signals. But anyway, yeah. if you had a tight shoe, then imagine that the toes are always going to be in this position instead of this. Mm -hmm. So they're fanned down instead of fanned up. And, and, and we, what he argues is that if your feet, if your toes are constantly fanned down from tight shoes, 
that's going to create a situation where your intrinsic muscles, they start to shorten. And that's what creates a lot of the cramps. That's true. That's true. The, the thing is, uh, yeah, if you have a tight toe box, that's going to obviously cause cramps. But a lot of times, you know, patients are smart enough to figure that one out by themselves. That's why I don't see it as much. Unless it's like a diabetic patient or a patient that doesn't have good sensation of their feet and they can't really feel how tight their shoe is, that's different, especially if they're diabetic. But a lot of the times people will 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 try a different shoe if they have cramping and they'll realize like, oh, it's better now. But most of the time I, I don't consider that due to the fact that it's it's um patients tend to be self uh reliant on themselves when it comes to figuring out if that's actually what's causing the cramping. Yeah. And, but I just, I want to get back to the cramping because this is such an important topic. I mean, so many people have cramps and I'm sure as a, as a physical therapist, you see this all the time. Uh, I also see this all the time in, 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 in internal medicine, primary care. And yeah, I also, I also see it almost always nocturnal. It's always not always, but often at night. Mm-hmm. I don't think the mechanism has been sorted out. Why is it only at nighttime? So it could be because when we're sleeping, our 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 ph actually goes up or sorry goes down so our blood becomes a little acidic mm-hmm. and that that has to do with lactic acid and so the thought is that we build a little bit of lactic acid in our on their extremities and that's why people cramp at night but um yeah yeah i, yeah. I have another i have another argument actually or, or theory about cramping at night you ever wake up at night with a charlie horse cramp oh yeah in your calf it's horrible. And the pain is unbearable and you squeeze it and you're like, yeah. oh my God, when is it going to go away? Oh my God, can it the go worst. away? Please, please, please. It's horrible. Well, if you guys checked out uh, our episode on sleep, sleep optimization, I spoke about dreams and I spoke about why we dream. And our calf muscles are muscles of survival. They're muscles of our extensor muscles also, uh, our plantar flexors in our foot. They're muscles of running away. They're muscles that produce quick motions to run away. And a lot of times when we dream, uh, we're not aware that we are, are, you know, we're running away from something or, um, you know, we're, we're in a fight or flight mode and we are using our calves. So I think a lot of the times people wake up with a strong Charlie horse because of a dream you're having that you're not, a, you're not aware of. Because, like I said, the calf is a a, a muscle of survival. Yeah. That that makes so sense. that that's what causes a very strong contraction because you're dreaming and you're stuck in this state of running away or you know a stressful state, and you activate your your calf very quickly. You get a Charlie horse. Hey guys, just as, as an aside, if you guys listen to our sleep episode that night, I had a dream where I was being chased by like three lions. It was the weird, <laughs> the weirdest thing. Yeah, I'm not. I'm not joking, guys. It was. It's real. Yes, and and if you guys check that episode out, I gave a few theories on why we dream. Check those out. But I actually forgot to mention one, and specifically the one that I didn't mention was the reason why Joseph dreamt. The reason, the reason why we dream sometimes and what we dream of, is because dreaming is like a collection of different words and sounds and visuals. And it's a it's a it's a culmination of all these things all into one. So the fact that Joe and I were doing a podcast on sleep, his brain was getting this information in and it was processing this information. 
And then at night, subconsciously, is when your memory readjusts, you know, your working memory, short-term memory, consolidation. And what happens is, because of all those neurons firing, we dream something that we spoke about earlier. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. It was weird. So, you know, I don't want to stay on this topic for too long, but I, I, I do think there's one more thing I want to talk about in terms of cramping. So, in medicine... You know, again, knee-jerk medicine is what I call it. Whenever somebody comes in, they say, I have cramping. What's the first thing they say and recommend? Oh, you have to drink more water. You're dehydrated. Well, I'm here to tell you that I think that is not a good recommendation. And I'll tell you why. Because, yes, can can being hydrated cause cramps? Yeah, it can. But if you're, if you're running, if, let's say you're an athlete or... You're very active. Yeah, I can. But if you're someone who's sedentary, like most Americans are, if you're someone who doesn't exercise and you're cramping at night, why would that be dehydration? Mm -hmm. That makes no sense. And there's no studies to show that. So that's one thing. If, if your provider tells you to, to, to just drink more water, like, please, yeah. like, I, I just, 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 just not. It's not. You, good, we uh, can't uh, drink more water without increasing our salt. There you go. They exactly. both work together. We can't have a system that's high in, in H2O and either low or the same in salt. Salt and water work by the concentration of, you need a normal amount of concentration of sodium in your, in your water, in your, in your bloodstream. Yeah, and if and you're exercising yeah. and, losing, and losing salt and water through sweat, um, you're losing a lot of salt, more than you guys think. And you guys should really check out Dr. James DiNicolantonio, who's a PhD and, and, uh, and uh, he studies a lot of nutrition and he, he has a book called the salt fix where he talks a lot about the studies. He talks a lot about how salt we need, we're deficient in salt, you know, we're deficient in, in good salt, which we'll talk about later. You know, what salt should you be ingesting and how much? So guys, if you're going to up your, if your doctor tells you to up your water, but that mentions nothing about salt again, get up and leave. Yeah. Find another doctor. Yeah, or just listen to us because we're, we're, we're giving it to you guys how it is. We're, we're giving you guys up-to-date information. We're not practicing like it's 1990 anymore. We're in 2022. I mean, this is, you know, like this is this is the information and uh, you guys should have this information. So again, if you drink more water, what is that going to do to the concentration of your blood? It's, it's going to go down. It. So it's going to be less concentrated. Less so, salt. Right. There's So then less salt and then you're brain and your kidney like i was just explaining to you has to compensate so mm -hmm. and i didn't talk too much about this but we ha also have a very very robust thirst mechanism our the human body is is so precise when it comes in terms of regulating water balance and thirst the thirst mechanism you know we know we, like so if you're thirsty drink water if you're not thirsty then don't drink water you know it, mm -hmm. it's as simple as that you you could be drinking during the day but just don't take that advice that, oh, yeah, you just drink more water. That makes no sense. Physiologically, it makes no sense. Common sense, it makes no sense. If you're having cramps, as we'll get into, you need to increase your salt intake, your sodium intake. You're deficient in salt. And, and, and because you're deficient in salt, you're likely also deficient in magnesium, potassium, calcium, basically all the minerals. Because salt, sodium specifically, is the master ion. So you cannot, you cannot correct the magnesium unless you correct the sodium. You can't correct the potassium unless you correct the sodium. 
So it all starts with the sodium. So, but of course, if you're if your physician is afraid of salt, because that's what he's been told for thirty years, of course, of course, they're gonna recommend a salt a low salt diet, when, which is not based on any data whatsoever. And speaking of that, let's get into some of this the studies and some of the the things here that I want to get into. So, so currently, the U.S. guidelines they limit the daily sodium intake to 2,300 milligrams or 2.3 grams a day. And yet the incidence of hypertension is only going up. So it's only going up. As the years go by, we're more obese. We have more blood pressure. We have more diabetes. We have more cancer. I mean, you know, you don't have to be a doctor here to, to figure this one out. I mean, if, we, if, we're, if we've been limiting salt for the past 40, 50 years, why is the blood pressure not going down? Mm-hmm. I mean, that just makes no sense to me. And other first world countries do not have such a strict sodium guideline. And have less rates of hypertension, heart disease, and obesity. Countries such as Japan, Italy, France, Norway, Portugal, all these countries are first world countries, they're developed, and they have less r- lower rates of cardiovascular disease, and they have they intake so much more salt than we do, much more than we do. And yet we don't see any of these chronic diseases in those countries, not nearly as much as we do here. So I want to talk to you guys about two very, very important studies that I came across. And one of them is called the Institute of Medicine Report Sodium Intake in Populations, Assessment of Evidence, a Summary of Primary Findings and Implications for Clinicians. So this this study was basically published in JAMA in 2014, and it looked at sodium intake across different populations, so men, women, with different medical conditions and long story short you know we'll, we'll put it in the description so you guys can check it out but just the conclusion was that they concluded that there's first of all lack of evidence of benefit and concern for harm suggests that low sodium intake should not be recommended so a low sodium diet less than 2300 milligrams was not recommended by the study so and again, we'll, I'll, I'll, I'll post this on the description so you guys can read this for yourself. And then the BMJ, which is the British Medical Journal, one of the most influential journals in the world, they did a Cochrane review. So let, let me actually take this moment now to, to tell you what that is. So in the 1970s, Cochrane reviews are basically this re- really rigorous system where they take a bunch of studies and they, they, they compare it to other studies. They do meta-analysis. So they did a Cochrane review of this. And the effect of longer-term modest salt reduction of blood pressure, again, had no effect on mortality. This is published in the BMJ. This is all out there, guys. But again, you're not hearing this because all they're talking about is low salt, low salt, low salt, low salt, based on no evidence. There's no evidence that low salt diets lead to low blood pressure and less rates of heart disease. We don't see it. Again, I just told you, Japan. They have the Okinawa diet. They Okinawa. have the zones. Yep. Yeah, Okinawa. Um, Portugal, Italy, France. These countries, they live until their 90s. They're robust. They eat cheese. They eat meat. They eat, like, it, it's unbelievable. And they don't have heart disease that we have here. So it's just, it's just we, need, we need to stop with this whole, like, Oh, we do things the best in this country. We don't. It's pretty clear. We have so many problems like with everything. And this is just another problem. So salt. Um, 
So yeah, if you guys, I want you guys to take a look at those studies because it's very, very compelling evidence. Yeah. So Sam, you, you, let's yeah. talk about what actually causes blood pressure to go up. Okay. So what have you heard in terms of your patients? What are some of the things that you've heard in terms of what causes, causes blood pressure to go up? You mean by, by the patients? Yeah. In ter- like what they think causes blood pressure? Well, you can tell me patients and also colleagues. Okay. Well, the patient's belief systems on what causes blood pressure is salty foods. <laughs> okay. Um, so high salt, red meat. Red meat is, forget about mm-hmm. it. That's the villain. Like, that's bad oh, yeah. for everything. That's bad for your mental health. That's bad for your blood pressure. That's bad mm-hmm. for your heart, cholesterol. That Don't even touch it. Um, so, yeah, high salt, meat, you know, um, that's pretty much the, two, the, the big two. Uh, stress, you know, stress. I think people understand that stress elevates their blood pressure. That's definitely true. And colleagues and 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 I would say I would say most people think that high salt is causes blood pressure to go up. To be honest, and I used to believe this too. You know, I used to believe that as well because of what you know what you hear: low sodium, low sodium, low sodium. You know, don't eat that because of sodium. Don't eat this because of that. So, yeah, I would say uh, high salt. Yeah. And same with me, um, you know, throughout my training, it was all, always low salt. The salt causes high blood pressure. Avoid it like it's the plague. Low salt, low salt, low salt, low salt. And if your blood pressure is high, we need to start you on a, on a pill right away. And no mention of side effects, no mention of anything. And so if you're someone out there listening and, um, and you've been told that you have high blood pressure, you, you please, you need to watch this entire podcast because we're going to talk about what actually causes high blood pressure and what are some of the best things that you can do to lower your blood pressure without medications. Yeah. So, so let's, let's kind of get into this. So, yeah. I just want to say know, something here. Yeah. I want to say the studies have shown guys that a reduction in salt, like a low salt diet causes a reduction in blood pressure that's like 1%. It's it's insignificant. It's a few points. Do you really care that your blood pressure goes from 125 over 80 to like 122 over 80? Is that really a meaningful change? I mean, and, and, and what's even worse, guys, is that a reduction in salt, so a low-salt diet, um, it actually increases your heart rate much more. So it makes your heart rate kind of compensate and it increases it much more which increases your car- coronary artery, you know, and heart disease risk. And the studies have shown that people who have a low salt diet have a higher all-cause mortality. So more likely to die with a low salt diet. And people who have normal amounts of salt and eat a, a normal amount of salt have less all-cause mortality. I mean, that's yeah. pretty that's pretty that's pretty insane. It's, you need it like I said in the beginning of the video, guys. Those ibex goats risk their lives. Animals risk their lives for salt. We have a salt thermometer in our body. We have salt cravings. Feed into the cravings. This is the only time I'm going to tell you guys. If you if your body is craving salt, and I'm not saying go out and eat you know processed soups like Lipton soup that has five thousand grams grams of salt or whatever it has, crazy amount. Vegetable I'm not saying. Cereals. Yeah, vegetable seed oils, salty chips. I'm not saying eat processed salts. 
you know, we're going to talk about what type, what types of salts to eat later in the video, just to keep you guys, you know, interested here. <laughs> but guys, if you have a salt craving, you need to be, you need to take that seriously. Um, so yeah, let's, uh, let's get into this here. Yeah. So that's so important, Sam, what you, what you just said. I mean, that was just, I couldn't have said it better. Basically all what, what we have been seeing in terms of the research and the studies is that all cause mortality, okay, which is uh, basically all diseases, so cancer, heart disease, everything goes up in low salt diets across the board. And we don't see any significant reduction in heart disease with low salt diets. We just don't. It's not the evidence is not it's not there. And so, you know, let's talk about this. So the stress on the heart is basically blood pressure times heart rate. So, yes, is blood pressure bad? Is having a high blood pressure bad? Yeah, absolutely. You do not want to have high blood pressure. We are by no means saying that your blood pressure does not matter. It's so important. We want you to have a low blood pressure because the 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 absolute value of your blood pressure has been shown to correlate with heart disease. But what we're saying is that it's not the salt that's causing mm -hmm. the high blood pressure to go up. That's a very key point, guys. We're not saying that blood pressure, the absolute blood pressure is not important. It is. It's actually one of the more important risk factors for heart disease and stroke. But what we're saying is that salt specifically is not associated with a rise in blood pressure clinically that would cause you to have heart disease and stroke. And so with that in mind, so what is like stressing the heart? It's actually blood pressure times heart rate. So if your heart rate is too high, it's going to stress your heart and it's going to cause issues down the line. If your blood pressure is too high, it's going to do the same thing. And like Sam was just saying, low salts diet, they actually raise the heart rate more than they lower the blood pressure. And it turns mm -hmm. out that, yeah, if, if, if you you know, lower your sodium intake to that 2,300 milligram a day bland food diet, whatever they're recommending, um, your heart rate is going to shoot up because let's go back to our friend, RAS, right? It's, it's, it makes perfect sense. Everything in the human body makes sense. It's all physiology. If you lower your salt, what does the body, what does the body need to do? It needs to increase the sodium. Very easy. How will it increase the sodium? It needs to decrease the circulating volume. And so what does it do? It basically manipulates RAS. And so what we're doing is, when, and, and, and what it does is eventually your heart rate goes up because you need to increase the circulating volume around the heart. And then that leads to the release of hormones like adrenaline, norepinephrine, cortisol, the stress hormones. That is what actually put, places stress on the heart and causes issues down the line. It's actually that heart rate going up all the time and that places stress on the heart. You know how many times I have patients that have heart rates in the 80s and 90s just sitting there? Not normal. Yeah, not normal. Right? And what is the normal heart rate that we're told? 60, 60 to, 100? to 100. Yeah. That's Crazy. normal having a, a resting heart rate. You've seen this, right? A normal yeah, yeah, heart yeah. rate of 95. That's normal. Yeah, so if it's 99, then you're good. That's when you're just sitting down, not even exercising. I mean, it's just ridiculous. I mean, like, your heart rate needs to be in the 50s and 60s, period, if you're at rest. If your heart rate is in the 80s, you have a problem. We have to do blood work. We got to check. You're likely to be sodium deficient, to be quite honest with you, if your heart rate is in the 80s and 90s. I mean, yeah. 
it, it's just crazy how you're just sitting there and your heart rate is 95. That's not normal. Okay. But anyway, so, so let's, now let's get into this. So what actually causes let's, blood pressure to go up? We, we, before we continue, let, let's just talk about, uh, the dash diet, you know, since we're on the topic of a low sodium diet and, and cardiology, uh, at, who's more likely to prescribe this diet, Joseph? Is it cardiologist? Yeah, I would say cardiologist, internist, family practice, you know, yeah. Okay. Run of the mill PCP. Okay. So, so yeah, the, yeah. the dash diet, I want to talk a little bit about the dash diet. Um, so, so what is, what's your experience with the dash diet? I mean, it's been not good. Um, I learned, I learned it in my training dash diet. Um, I don't, I, it's a diet that's very low in sodium. Mm -hmm. It's a diet that basically recommends six to eight servings of grains per day. It yeah. basically recommends no eggs, no meat, no fish, just jack up okay. the grains and you'll be fine. That's basically what the yeah. dash diet is. So I'm looking up here at the, the mayoclinic.org and I'm seeing here dash diet, healthy eating to lower your blood pressure. So discover how DASH can help you lower your blood pressure and improve your health. So DASH stands for Dietary Approaches to Stop Hypertension. So it's basically a diet designed to lower your, your BP. Um, so they want foods that are rich in potassium, great. Calcium, great. And magnesium, all good things. All these things help control blood pressure. But the fact that they're limiting sodium and saturated fat is 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 not good because salt helps with the metabolism and, and, and the processes of all those other elements too. Um, I like the fact that they limit added sugars. That's great. Awesome. But the, the, the fact that they're limiting the sodium and the saturated fat, you know, I don't know. I don't know if that's, that's good to be honest. I, I don't good. think that's what the research suggests. And I think this is harming a lot of people. It's causing cramps, it's causing uh, headaches, it's causing mental health issues, which we'll get into soon. Um, it's causing high heart rates, which, like you said, can stress the heart even more. You know, I, dizziness. I don't, dizziness. I don't I don't know about this diet, DASH diet, guys, to be honest. Yeah, um, I honestly, I never recommend this diet because it, it's just silly. Um, so what this diet actually is doing is actually the opposite. It's actually raising your blood pressure, guys, because... Think about what they're recommending. They're telling you to eat more grains and more carbohydrates. So this is a perfect segue into what actually causes high blood pressure. So what actually causes your blood pressure to go up is insulin resistance. All right. Our, our good friend, insulin resistance, is making an appearance again. <laughs> so insulin resistance is the culprit of high blood pressure. That's it, guys. I told you everything you need to know. You can leave now. You can leave now. That's that's the that's the secret sauce here. Yeah. So, but of course we're not gonna we're not gonna leave you hanging here. So let let's talk about insulin resistance. So if you've listened to our previous podcast on, and and if you if you you know listened to our YouTube channel, uh, I've I've spoken about insulin resistance. So why would insulin resistance cause high blood pressure? Well, it turns out that insulin is a hormone that is secreted by the pancreas, and it turns out that we typically associate insulin with glucose, of, of course, very important. But it turns out that insulin is actually very important in terms of water regulation and salt balance. So it, it, it actually, it does that mm -hmm. at the level of the kidney. So basically, if, we have, if, we're, if we're eating diets that are, that are creating, a, that are you know, leading to a, a situation where our insulin levels are too high all the time, 
what that does is that that's basically telling your kidney to absorb more sodium and absorb more water because wherever salt and sugar goes, water follows. That's the rule in medicine in the kidneys. That's how the kidneys do things. So the more soda, the more insulin, the more water you absorb and the more glucose that follows and the more sodium that follows. So, and insulin actually causes edema. It causes retention of water. If you've ever seen patients on insulin who take insulin injections, they're all over, they're all overweight. They look, they look edematous. They look like swollen. And that's because of the insulin. Insulin causes retention of water. And the way it does this is at the level of the kidney. It causes sodium to be reabsorbed at a faster rate. And, and yeah, and so if you have a diet that's high in, in insulin, if you're eating carbs all day, refined grains, pa pastries, then you're, you're going to be chronically elevated in terms of your insulin and your blood pressure is going to go up. That is what's driving blood pressure. It's insulin, high levels of insulin and insulin resistance. This is the reason if you guys ever, ever try the keto diet or the carnivore diet, the second that you get off of the carbohydrates, what happens to the insulin? It plummets. Insulin goes down. What effect does that have on the human body? You start urinating. You start something that's called diuresis. You start diuresing. You start urinating all this excess fluid that you were holding onto for years. And that is what causes the blood pressure to go, to go down because the salt follows. So people who have done carnivore diets, keto diets, they, they, you notice that when you do these diets, your blood pressure drops and you, in your kidneys, they, they start excreting a bunch of salt. All right. And that's why people who are on keto diets, which we'll talk about a little bit later, they need to actually supplement with more salt because they're actually salt deficient. So mm -hmm. I know it's confusing, but just know that high insulin levels cause the blood pressure to go up. That is actually the number one factor that causes high blood pressure. And it's the diet. It's, you know, too many grains, too much wheat, um, carbohydrates, refined, refined carbohydrates, Bread. all these things. This is what causes it. Okay. Yeah. It's not sodium. Like it's just not. All right. And again, take a look for you. Don't take my word for it. I'm going to, I'm going to, we're going to link the studies here and do your research. You know, don't, don't take everything we say as, as truth, you know, do your research. But uh, you know, it's clear to me, uh, if, if, if sodium were the culprit, why is the blood pressure not coming down? Why does everybody have high blood pressure? It just makes yeah. no sense. So let's see. Yeah. So, yeah. What, what, no, what, go, yeah. Going, yeah. going back to what you were saying earlier um, about, about how, how people have actually higher blood pressures on a low-salt diet. And, and the thing that's kind of scary that I'm thinking about now is they, they won't even know it because they're on blood pressure medication. So they won't know their actual like natural blood pressure after being on a low salt diet. They, they they may think that they may correlate the low salt diet with the reduction in blood pressure, but they're on blood pressure medications. Yeah. So it, that's what's keeping your blood pressure low. Yeah, exactly. And it's like and you if you were to go crazier? off of it. Uh huh. You know what's crazier than that? When you're on these blood pressure medications. And there's like four main categories. There's calcium channel blockers, ARBs, ACE inhibitors, and diuretics. If you're on any one of these four, you are guaranteed to have mineral deficiencies. 
A hundred percent. You're going to be deficient in sodium. You're going to be deficient in potassium. You're going to be deficient in magnesium and calcium. Basically, you're going to be a mess when it comes in terms of minerals. And mm -hmm. I find it funny that the DASH diet recommends a diet high in potassium, magnesium on a low salt diet. Do they not understand that you need salt to regulate potassium and magnesium? Yep. I guess they didn't take that class in, 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 in physiology. Like that's mm -hmm. just, just, that's just dumb. Like you, you, you need sodium to regulate all that stuff. It's, it's like well known. So if you have, yeah. And if you have low salt, there, there, there's studies that show low salt, it's linked to osteoporosis. We spoke about oh, this yeah. in, in other podcasts. Osteoporosis being, you know, uh, porous bones, weakening, weakening of the bone. Many people associate this with low calcium. So they start drinking just milk. They'll just drink milk, you know, thinking that, oh, it's going to give me strong bones. And we got to we have to do a whole medical Mythbusters on milk and how milk doesn't give you strong bones, guys. Like it, it, it's not calcium. Unless you're a it's, baby calf, you should not be drinking milk. Yeah. I mean, low salt is going to cause osteoporosis because you're, you st your body starts pulling minerals from the bone. If you're deficient in minerals, where is it going to get it from? Your body's going to get confused and it's going to pull it from the bone. And it's going to make your bones weak. Exactly. Yeah. So, so yeah, it, that is, that's actually, I was going to get to that, Sam, but you, you, you nailed it. Um, actually one of the risk factors for osteoporosis is a low salt diet. Yeah. Unfortunately. And a lot of people don't know this and, um, it has to do again with your body craves sodium. You need sodium so, and it will do anything at any cost to get sodium, including it will start to break down your own bone and it starts taking sodium and minerals from your bone just to How about raise that? the sodium levels. And that causes osteoporosis. And that's why animals probably risk their life getting salt because they they know if they don't get it, they're going to die. Yeah, they are. So might as well risk their life to get salt and survive than not get it and die because you literally don't have action potentials and nothing is going to function in your body. Yeah. Yeah. And, um, you know, now, and now that we're talking about that, let, let's also talk a little bit about, you know, so let's get into a little bit about, you know, what are some of the... The, the symptoms of low salt. Like if someone's listening to this, Sam, you mm -hmm. know, how, how, how would they know they have, a, they have symptoms, you know, how should someone approach this? Well, one, one thing, one thing that, that can manifest, um, because you have low salt, like we said earlier, cramps. So that's one thing. Um, we also mentioned dizziness earlier. Um, so dizziness is a very, uh, it's an umbrella term, you know, dizziness can be caused by a lot of different things. And a lot of times patients will say I'm dizzy, but it could be vertigo, right? It could be a sensation or, or a hallucination of movement. It could be, uh, orthostatic hypotension, which is basically a drop in blood pressure based on movement, based on, you know, laying down and getting up too quickly, you get that dizziness. Um, so that's been associated with a low, low salt. Right. If you have low salt, that's going to cause you to, you're, you're, you know, it's going to cause th that orthostatic hypotension. Um, you, you don't have enough volume in your, in your body. And uh, that's one thing that as, as physical therapists that we look out for is orthostatic hypotension. Uh, it's more common in older adults, but, you know, anybody can get it. Um, but it is more common in older adults. And it is one of the main reasons that people fall when they get up from a chair, when they get out of bed. You know, they get up, they get very lightheaded, they get dizzy. 
and and they can fall. So this is one thing that we check in the clinic is if someone comes in with dizziness and they're like, you know, maybe in their 60s, 70s, 80s, 90s, um, and they have the symptoms of orthostatic hypotension, I'll have the patient lay down flat on the table for about five minutes. I will take their blood pressure and their pulse rate. They don't have the patient, um, you know, get up from that position, either sitting or standing. Um, depends, you know, in terms of safety. But let's say I have them sitting. I will reevaluate their blood pressure and pulse measurements after a few minutes. And uh, basically, a drop of blood pressure more than or equal to 20 millimeters of mercury, which is uh, um, in the systolic, so the top number, or a drop of greater than or equal to 10 millimeters of mercury blood pressure for the lower number, the diastolic. Or if they experience lightheadedness or dizziness, which, guys, that's, that's not normal. If you, if you get out of bed and you feel dizzy, right, that's not normal. Something's going on, you know. So, yeah, that's just uh, a few reasons uh, why I check that in my patients. Mm-hmm. But what about what about mental health? What have you heard about mental health and and low salt diets? I haven't heard much until I started researching for this podcast, and I started seeing you know I started seeing Doctor D. Nicole Antonio talk about it. Uh, which again, guys, if you haven't checked out his book, The Salt Fix, highly highly recommend his book. He debunks a lot of these myths and talks about the benefits of of salt in your body and the dangers of a low salt diet. But I, I've I've done, I've seen a lot of research on you know metabolic dysfunction and bipolar disease or disorder and depression anxiety and there is a link and there is a link between salt and mental health and if you have low salt you're not going to feel as good you're not going to feel energized you're going to feel drowsy you're going to feel lightheaded that's going to affect your mental health like like I said earlier neurologically how do action potentials work? through sodium channels, so gated sodium channels. And what is our brain mostly comprised of? Nerve cells, neurons. We need sodium for our brain to function optimally. It's, it's for survival. We're not getting enough salt. You're going to be anxious. You're going to be depressed. You're going to have more incidents of bipolar. And the research is showing that normalizing levels of salt can help with these things. Yeah, yeah, for sure. I, I, uh, before, yeah, the, before this episode, I didn't not know much about the link between salt and mental health, but it seems like it is a growing, uh, there is growing evidence that anxiety and depression may be linked to a low salt diet and, you know, increasing. So if you're someone that is suffering from these things, you may want to increase your salt intake and see if it, if it helps. And this reminds me mm-hmm. of something, you know, this is the reason why when people are, why, why is magnesium told, you know, why is a magnesium a recommendation recommendation for someone with anxiety? Because, because magnesium and salt, all these things, they work together and it's the relaxing mineral magnesium, right? It's, it's, it relaxes things. It relaxes your muscles. It relaxes your mind, helps you sleep. Um, even on the gut, mm-hmm. it has a relaxing effect that helps you go to the bathroom. So again, magnesium. We're gonna do an episode on magnesium, Sam, because magnesium is another element where it's it's we're also very deficient. But you know, if you have headaches, you may be salt deficient. Okay. If you have migraines, you may be salt deficient. 
um, you know, if you have, like you're saying, orthostatic hypotension, you feel dizzy all the time, if you're anxious, if you're depressed, you know, if you're weak, you're not as strong, you're having cramps, all these things, those are, these are all signs that you may be deficient in sodium. And it's, 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 just, it's just crazy. And that, that actually, you know, I want to talk a little bit about agriculture. This, this is, I'm going to tie agriculture into this. So I don't know if you guys know, but in, in, our, in our current world, in terms of agriculture and the soil, our soil is so depleted from years and years and years of monocropping, of, of you know, just, just so much, too much, like, we're not, doing, we're not doing things that we're supposed to do with the soil. That has caused a situation where our fruits and vegetables, they, they do not have the same amount of magnesium as they, want, as they once had 100 years ago. So if you ate, let's say, um, spinach 100 years ago, that spinach had so much more magnesium, calcium, minerals compared to what we see now. I mean, what we see now is just, just almost nothing, which is why I always recommend you have to supplement. You, you cannot only get this through your diet, unfortunately, because it's everything like the, the, the vegetables, um, even animals, the animals eat this, this, these vegetables from the soil and it's all, we're all mm -hmm. deficient in magnesium and salt and, and potassium. And, and so we have to really supplement, we have to supplement with magnesium. We have to supplement with salt, with potassium. It's so important. And, um, you know, like I, I can think of a clear example of, 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 of magnesium deficiency is, is migraines. You know, we, there's so many people have migraines. Yeah. Right? Where's this coming from? Right. Migraine is basically a, a disorder of the, of the blood vessels in the brain. They become too active. And my, what does magnesium do? It relaxes blood vessels. It relaxes nerves. And so in the hospital, if you're coming in with status migranosis, what is the treatment? IV magnesium. Isn't that crazy that we're treating with a mineral? We're treating a headache with a mineral. Yeah. And again, because it's, it's that just, simple. It's just simple. We're it's that simple. Minerals. Yeah. Nobody wants to just keep things simple. Everyone just wants to give you these complicated pills that mess up your your natural systems of regulating your body. Yeah. Yeah. It's so it, simple. It's, it's just so Salt. simple. It's and, been and, demonized. Yeah. <laughs> And that brings me Salt, to another point. Salt, meat, eggs, saturated fat. Come on, guys. Don't you see a trend here? Don't you see a trend stop. in what's going on? Like, yeah. This is getting out of hand. Like, if you, if, you know, it's, we're an hour and five minutes in. If, if you've stayed with us this long, like, you, you, you start to see a trend. Insulin resistance is the root cause of, of 90% of diseases right now. Sam, we Metabolic should just call this podcast insulin resistance at this point because... Everything is insulin resistant. I mean, literally, like eighty percent of diseases are insulin are caused by insulin resistance, from poor diets, yeah, from toxins, from not sleeping well, from stress. So you're pleasing yeah. a boss that doesn't that doesn't like you, and and yeah. um, you know, it's just crazy. It's just it's just unbelievable. Yeah. But so yeah, no, well, wanna, let's wanna, keep talking about salt because yeah, our goal, definitely. yeah. I want to talk about something mm -hmm. before we continue. Yeah, I definitely want to continue talking about salt. I want to talk about these blood pressure medications for just one more, one more moment. No one talks about this, but these okay. blood pressure medications, they have so many side effects. Like, so many side effects. And you don't know how many times I've seen physicians, 
just reflexively prescribe a pill for a blood pressure that's like 140 over 90, 150 over, over 90. No mention of, of diet, no mention of exercise, no mention of stress, no mention of sleep, no mention of minerals, no mention of nothing. They just, it's unbelievable. They just prescribe a, a, a pill that if you go to a website called Up to Date and you look at and you type in, for example, type in uh, Lasix, right? It's a loop diuretic. It's for removing fluid. It has so many side effects that you 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 would just be like, I would never take this if I knew if I knew this. And we don't talk about the side effects of these blood pressure medications. One of the main side effects include um, they mess up your they 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 destroy your the ability of your body to regulate volume. So you, you may experience dizziness. It it messes up your sodium balance, your potassium balance, your magnesium balance, uh, your gut your bowel movements, your hormone levels, your, it's just, it's just terrible. And uh, you become a zombie. Yeah. Unless you absolutely need to take blood pressure medications, I would, I would just not take them. All right. I would just not take them because as we'll get into later, there are so many ways to to lower your blood pressure that don't involve pills. Anyway, that's, that's all, that's all I want to say about that. Yeah. And and, and 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 yeah, there's there's different types of blood pressure, guys. There's primary hypertension, secondary hypertension. You know, we're we're talking about the the more common primary. one, which is what is it? Is primary, right? Yeah. So yeah, yeah. that's a, that's a good point. Yeah. So what we're talking about on this episode, we're, we're focusing on primary hypertension, which is like ninety percent of all the cases. There's something called secondary hypertension, which is like rare causes, like if you have a tumor in your in your adrenal gland. Or you have a Cushionoid syndrome. Those are more rare. I'm not talking about those. That's a different story. I'm talking about primary hypertension. Like, what is the root cause? Again, if you're just tuning in, the root cause of high blood pressure in the United States and around the world is something called insulin resistance. It is not sodium. It has nothing to do with your salt intake. So please, get that out of your head. Salt is not the enemy, guys. It is not the enemy. Um, so let's talk about salt. Um, let's 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 talk about the recommendations that uh, that the research shows um, to live optimally. Um, this is straight from Dr. James Deaton Colantonio. Uh, recommends two point five to six grams of salt per day, and probably even more if you're an athlete and you're exercising a lot. Probably more if uh, you live in an area that's very hot and you're sweating a lot because. Do not underestimate how much salt you lose through sweat, guys. It is a lot. And I want to talk about coffee. We have to talk about coffee. Most people drink coffee. And what's in coffee is caffeine. So let's ask the question now. Does drinking coffee deplete your minerals? And the answer is yes. It does deplete your minerals. Drinking caffeine... Especially if you're someone who drinks like two cups a day or more, you're going to deplete the salt in your body. And I actually noticed this firsthand. I, after drinking coffee, I would feel cloudy, mentally cloudy. Like I had a cloud over my head. I couldn't think clearly anymore. And then after looking at the research and reading some of uh, Dr. James Antonio's book, The Salt Fix, I realized that adding a pinch of salt to your coffee makes a huge difference. And I I, rec- I, rec- I I urge people to try that. 
Just add a little pinch of, of salt into your coffee. You'll, you'll, you'll counteract the effects of, of the salt loss um, from the caffeine. And just, just try it out and see how it feels. It's made a huge difference for me. But yeah, guys, if you're drinking a lot of coffee, you're going to deplete your salt. And you have to supplement that salt. Especially people who drink three cups of coffee a day, four cups. And, and I know it sounds weird to put salt in your coffee, but you know it's just a little pinch. You get used to it. It's a lot better than putting in sugars into your coffee. Because like we just said, insulin resistance is the key to a lot of diseases. Stop putting sugar in your coffee. Put a little pinch of salt. It'll make a huge difference for your body. So Joe, what do you think about coffee and salt? Yeah, I agree with everything you just said. Yeah. Um, ca- so caffeine, it does have a lot of benefits. Um, you know, we're not saying not to drink coffee. Um, but, you know, it is, it, is, it is important to note that if you, do, if you do have more than one or two cups a day, uh, you will definitely be deficient in, in sodium and magnesium. And the reason is because you, when, you, when, you, when you drink coffee, you're going to either go to the bathroom to urinate or have a bowel movement. And then in, in, in the urine and, and the stool, you're going to lose potassium and chloride. And you're going to lose all these minerals. That's why. That's what, that's what it is. And yeah, yeah I, I also didn't know about the salt in the coffee. That's also something that I just learned. And again, yeah, it's also made a big difference for me. Um, you know, just put like maybe half a teaspoon of, of salt in, in your coffee and you'll see, you'll see, you'll feel much better. And, you know, also I want to mention that when you, if you're somebody who exercises, you're physically active, you run, you do weights, every, for, for every hour of exercise, you lose half a teaspoon of salt. All right. Mm-hmm. So if you're someone who is not replacing your salt intake after exercising, I mean, you're, you're doing a disservice to yourself. So people who exercise, you need to take even more salt. All right. So just keep that in mind. Yeah. And uh, guys, yeah. stop, stop taking pre-workout. Like all, you know, the, the, the power lifters out there, the weightlifters, the bodybuilders, stop taking caffeinated, uh, pre-workout like bang and Red Bull and, and all these C4 and these scoops. You don't look cool taking it. Like you don't look cool guys. You're just depleting your minerals. You're, it's, it's, it's bad for your heart. It's going to make your heart rate go up and elevate it. It's going to be, it's going to deplete all your minerals that you need for a workout. The best pre-workout is water with salt. And I'll tell you why. The research shows that people who, who preload with salt before a workout take 21 minutes longer to fatigue than their counterparts. Let's let that sink in, guys. In other words... If you preload your workout with water and salt, you have basically 21 more minutes of performing at a high level before you fatigue. Can you name one pre-workout or a steroid that can do that to you? You can't. It's that simple. 21 more minutes before you fatigue, guys. This is literally a performing performance-enhancing drug. Yeah. They should they should ban salt before before. If everyone knew this, people would be breaking records all the time. Yeah, that's crazy. It's crazy. Yeah. So let's now talk about what salt we actually should be consuming because there's different types of salt, right? There's kosher salt, there's sea salt, and there's Himalayan salt, pink salt, this salt. So what is the best salt? The best salt, in my opinion, 
is going to be a salt called Redmond Sea Salt. The thing with salt, guys, is if you guys ever heard of uh, goiter, which is basically an enlargement of your thyroid gland, right? And your thyroid gland in your neck, thyroid gland helps with metabolism in your body. What happens when you have a deficiency in iodine is that you get a goiter, you get an enlarged thyroid. And a lot of the salt that we have is depleted of minerals and trace minerals because it comes from contaminated areas. It comes from the sea and our oceans are completely contaminated with oils and contaminated with, with, with uh, plastics and microplastics. So we're literally getting our, our salt from contaminated sources. That's why I don't recommend sea salt from the majority of oceans right now because they dump so much toxic waste in there. And kosher salt, I don't recommend either. The reason is because kosher salt is deficient of iodine. If you guys didn't know that, kosher salt does not have iodine. Okay? It is completely void of, of that. So I, I don't recommend that at all. Um, sea salt also has pretty much no iodine. All right? It's just filled with microplastics that are toxic to our body. And processed salt, I mean, it's obvious. Takeout food, soups, canned foods, packages, frozen foods. Don't eat processed salt. Eat and consume a salt called Redmond's Real Salt. It's up there with Himalayan salt, guys. If you're going to get a salt, use either Himalayan because it comes from areas like Pakistan. It comes from natural areas. Yeah, but Sam, it's not as be, contaminated. I would say something. Be careful with Himalayan salt too, because sometimes a lot of the time they just put the label, but it's not coming from those areas. I know. That's why I put it as number two, because when by the time it gets from Pakistan to America, the processing, who knows? That's why I say Redmond sea salt has real iodine and has so many trace minerals. Guys, we're not getting paid for any of this, by the way. This is just pure, you know, just to help you guys. I did, I did the research. I looked into this. Redmond sea salt. If you type in Redmond sea salt, you'll see it. It's got real iodine and um, has the best mineral profile. Basically, it comes from an ancient sea in Utah. So no microplastics and pollutant-free salt. So that's what I recommend for salt. And like I said, 3.5 to 6 grams of salt. More if you're an athlete, if you're living in hot areas. Yeah, that's basically double the, the, the amount recommended by the guidelines. Yep. So, yeah, in, um, I'm just going to give a little summary here, Joseph, if you have nothing else to talk about, or what do you think? I, I, I want to I talk about a couple more things. So okay. we didn't talk about the immune system and, and salt. So that's an important point. I need, I need people to, to understand this. So this is something that I recently learned. So it turns out that sodium chloride, specifically the chloride part, we haven't spoken much about the chloride. The chloride is actually involved in the immune system. And it helps, it helps to kill bacteria. So people, it turns out that people who are deficient in sodium, they have higher rates of upper respiratory infections, gastroenteritis, because they're, they're not, they don't have enough chloride. And chloride is actually very important for fighting off viruses, bacteria. So just another reason to increase your sodium once again. It, it helps with the immune system. It strengthens your immune system. Um... You know, especially in the gut, it helps protect you against like, you know, getting a stomach bug. You know, if you've ever eaten out at a restaurant and you have like, like a vomiting and all that, 
consider eating more salt. Um, so that I think that's super important. And I want to actually drive home a very important point about salt and insulin resistance. So it's not just that salt and insulin, um, you know, that low salt diet raises your insulin levels, but salt deficiency in salt actually causes metabolic disease. And actually there's more and more studies coming out that say that a low salt diet actually causes diabetes Mm. because of the same mechanism. It raises your insulin. The body does whatever it takes to, to increase the sodium, even if that means raising insulin levels to retain water and salt so that you don't lose it in the urine. I mean, this is just crazy. So we're, what we're doing is we're basically recommending a low-salt diet and, and, and the hope that it would lower blood pressure and it would solve heart, heart disease. But what we're doing is the opposite. We're causing more people to have diabetes. We're, we're causing mineral deficiencies. We're causing mental health disorders. We're causing falls. We're causing osteoporosis. All of this is causing admissions into the hospital, and that's taxing the insurance companies. And that it just and and again, all of this is just it's just a cycle, and that's causing uh, uh, most of our GDP is in healthcare. So twenty percent of the GDP of the U.S. is in healthcare. And I, I just I don't know. There's no name for this. This is just unbelievable. And I don't know yeah. how more more doctors and, and healthcare providers don't know about this stuff. Yeah. You know, 100%. it's just, it's just crazy. It's just crazy. 100%. Yeah. Yeah. I think we covered a lot there. Who knew we could talk so much about salt, right? Yeah. There's, well, I, I, there's something we didn't talk about. The cravings. Did you mention that, Sam? Yeah. Uh, no, I think we did. I think, yeah, yeah, I did. I did. If you have a salt craving guys, we have, uh, mechanisms in thermostats in our body like joe mentioned our hypothalamus that regulate salt cravings if you have a salt craving eat good salt eat the redmond salt or the himalayan salt i don't recommend sea salt or kosher salt but go into those cravings you're most likely deficient in it just like we mentioned earlier about thirst if you're thirsty drink water if you're not thirsty don't drink water if you have a salt craving eat salt you're probably deficient yeah. So with that so, being said, yeah, we could, um, we could, we could, I think, give some pointers, some general pointers, kind of summarize yeah. things. So I, I want to say something. Um, so yeah, like Sam said, I believe that we should be increasing our sodium intake to three to five grams a day. I think if you're someone that exercises and you're very athletic, you exercise a lot, you should probably be increasing that. And again, Take some salt and water before the workout because the studies have shown that your performance will improve. Also, if you're somebody that has gut disorders, such as Crohn's disease, ulcerative colitis, celiac, IBS, you definitely need to increase your salt intake because if you have any of these disorders, your gut is not absorbing minerals like it's supposed to. So you're, you're, you're definitely at risk for deficiencies. If you're on a low-carb diet, if you're on carnivore, if you're on keto, you need to increase your, your salt intake because, again, your insulin is very low and, and your kidneys are excreting a lot of salt. If you're someone who has orthostatic hypotension, you need to increase your salt intake. And there's also a condition called POTS, postural orthostatic tachycardia syndrome, which I've seen a lot. And it's basically a condition where people, they get extremely dizzy and lightheaded when they stand up. Their, their heart rates shoot up in the 120s and 130s studies have shown 
that those patients, they benefit from high salt diets. Again, because when your salt, when your salt goes up, heart rate goes down, blood pressure normalizes. So, you know, those are the populations that really, really need to be increasing their, their salt intake. Um, you know, something yeah. that, I, that I wanted to mention lastly is if you're having a cramp, if you, if you guys are ever experiencing a cramp, studies have shown that pickle juice has been shown to reverse a cramp within 90 seconds. So always have some pickle juice at home because you never know. Cramp could come on at any moment. <laughs> so you want to take some pickle juice. Yeah. And guys, don't forget to add a little pinch of salt into your coffee. Preferably a good salt like Redmond salt or Himalayan salt. And with that being said, um, thank you all for listening to the Soto Health and Wellness Podcast. If you like our content, please subscribe on Spotify, Google Podcast, Amazon Music, and Apple Podcasts. Feel free to email us with any questions, comments, or a topic you would like for us to discuss at the SotoHWP at gmail.com. Follow us on YouTube and Instagram at Soto Health and Wellness. And follow us on our TikTok at the Soto HWP at the Soto HWP. Be well, and we will see you in the next episode.